Welcome back, everybody, to our legendary series. I'm so glad that you have joined us today. Everybody in Kernersville, everybody who's joining us at Oak Ridge, and for everybody watching online from wherever you're watching, vacation, home, business trip, we're so glad that the whole gang is here. And we are excited about what we're going to talk about today. This story, um, this legendary story we're going to talk about today is actually so legendary that a lot of people throughout history wonder if it's true. I mean, it's such a, a legendary tale, a legendary story. It's got people scratching their heads going, I'm not even really sure if that, was that real? Was that happened? So let me just say right up front, Jesus himself referred to the story as a true story. And so for me, and I hope for you, and as we have said many, many times, when you predict your own death and resurrection and then pull it off, then you are an authority on anything that you say. And so when Jesus refers to this story that we're going to talk about today as a story that was factually true, then you and I can just settle that, yes, as legendary as it seems, and as it is, this is a true story. It's the story of Jonah and the whale. Or, or Jonah, really, more specifically, and the great fish. And the reason we refer to the great fish as a whale is because for most of us, it's the only fish that we can conceive of in the ocean that is large enough. And you know, you'd probably have heard the story, even if you're not a church-going kind of folk, even if you're new to church and the whole thing, you've at least heard the idea or the, or the tale or the story. Jonah, you know, those Christians, they believe that Jonah was swallowed by a whale. We call it a whale because it's the only fish we know of big enough where you could kind of hang out in there for a little while and watch Netflix and, and be able to come out and and be fine, right? So Jonah and the great fish. And so I want to I ask you to do something in the next few moments as we walk through the details of this story and then, and then kind of unpack it together. I, I want you to be thinking less of how is that possible and more of how is that like me? Because believe it or not, there is more in this story that has to do with your life and my life than you and I might be comfortable admitting. The story, the legendary story of Jonah. Let's start. God told Jonah, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. Nineveh. The ancient city of Nineveh, a city of about 120,000 people, which is a large city back in those days, had a reputation for being evil, wicked. I mean some hair-raising stuff these people were involved in. And everybody knew it. It was their reputation. Everybody was aware and God told Jonah, Jonah, you need to go tell the people of Nineveh that it's time for them to be held accountable to their wicked ways. And they're going to answer to me. Well, Jonah was, you would think, you would be like, okay, great, I'll, I'll do that. But watch what happens. But Jonah got up and, and he went the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. Hmm. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship, leaving for Tarshish. Say that 10 times back to back to back. 
He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape. <laughs> I think that's funny. Hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Because we all know, if you can get to Tarshish, God is not there. Right? I mean, escape? How do, you, how do you escape? How do you get away? Right? I mean, what, a couple of things right up front. First of all, why would Jonah do this? Why would Jonah respond this way? And there's a perfectly good answer to the why question, and we're going to see it so clearly in just a few minutes. So we'll just press pause on why. The second question is, what are you thinking, dude? I mean, if God says go this way, you're like, nah, I don't want to. I'm going that way because I'm going to get away from God. I'm going to escape God. I mean, I mean really? Really? I mean, what, what would possess you to think that you could kind of escape God and, and kind of shut down God's voice in your life. Now, before we beat Jonah up too much for this, let me just ask you to consider that that might not be too foreign for the way you and I live as well. I've been a pastor a long time, and I've been a follower of Jesus a long time, and I'm really, really honest in what I experience in my own life and what I see in the lives of so many of you is that we tend to do the same kinds of things. Oh, it looks a little different. We're not running off to Tarshish. We're not even quite sure what that is, but we have our own Tarshish, right? Here, here's what that looks like. Real quick, let me just kind of give you a little teaser here. Real quick. I, I see people, as they begin to learn what God wants for their life, what God wants for their relationship, what God wants for their marriage, what God wants for their, um, their finances, what God wants for the direction in their life, how God wants them to give themselves to his mission and cause, and when people begin to discover the change that that might require of them, the challenge and the sacrifice that that might require them, I often see them doing things like, well, okay, well, I just want, I'm, I'm not going back to church. I can't do all that. I'll, I'll just, and, and if I stop going to church, and if I stop, if I stop hearing it, then maybe I can just kind of block it all out and, and get back to doing my own thing my own way. Right? So we get away from God by, well, I'm not going to church. Because when you're here, like when you show up and when you watch online or whatever, you're just like, you're constantly reminded of the challenges and the changes and what God has for your life. And so you kind of shut it off. Or you isolate yourself from everybody else who might remind you of what God wants for your life. So you get away from them, you get away from her, you no longer talk to him, you just kind of shut down those relationships and you ice people and you isolate yourself so that you no longer have to interact with. Hmm. So, so maybe this thing that Jonah is doing is not so crazy after all. Back to the story. So Jonah's like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to Tarshish. I'm not going to Nineveh. He gets on the ship. So he's on the ship and on the ship, not very long, a violent storm comes up. Violent storm. I mean, it's not, not a little one, a big one, big one. And this caught the crew of the ship way off guard. They didn't see a, I mean, they looked at the forecast when they were watching the weather channel that morning. There was no signs of a great storm. I mean, and here they are, here's a great storm. They don't understand. They weren't expecting this. So they start having a conversation with themselves. What's going on? What happening? What did we miss? Long story short, and I'm summarizing a lot, and I encourage you to read this on your own because it's fascinating. After a lot of conversations, they begin to talk to Jonah about this, and Jonah said, I think I know what's going on, fellas. 
This storm is really because of me. Because see, my God is the God of the land and the sea, and I'm running from God. I'm trying to get away from God, and he's trying to get my attention, and um, the storm is because of me. And their first response is, why would you do that? If your God is the God of the land and sea, how... What are you thinking? And Jonah said, okay, so here's the deal. Here's the way I reckon. Uh, just throw me overboard, okay? Just throw me overboard, and, and then the sea will calm, and, and you guys can go on your merry way. Interesting. Jonah was willing to die. Jonah was willing to die. I mean, you think he's going to swim to shore in a violent storm? No. Jonah was willing to die. He did not want to do what God wanted him to do so badly. And, when, and we're going to discover why in just a few minutes. He's just throw me overboard. And I'll die, and you guys can go on your route. This is where it gets very, very interesting. So they throw Jonah overboard, and the sea calmed. Now the Lord had arranged, that's a very important word. We will come back to that word in just a few minutes. The Lord had arranged for a great fish, that's the whale, to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. This is the part of the story that people are going, yeah, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. But again, again, Jesus actually in Matthew chapter 12 referred to this moment as a factual event. And so we really don't need to waste any time talking about how you know, legendary this is, how far-fetched this might be. No, I mean, physically, it could happen. I mean, a whale, a fish can be big enough to swallow a man whole, and that's exactly what God tells us happened to Jonah. And he was there for three days and three nights. And so, in the belly of this great fish, Jonah did what any of us would do, having been swallowed up by a fish, and we're hanging in there, and it's dark, and it's smelly, and you're like, he ate that too. He ate that too, right? Kind of thing. Here's what you do. You start praying. It's just, I just got a hunch, okay? It's been a while since I've talked to anybody that's been swallowed by fish for three days, but my hunch is you're gonna pray, right? So Jonah confessed to the Lord. He asked for God's forgiveness in so many words and vowed to honor God if given the chance. So the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. I will spare you the sound effects. But you can imagine. Pretty graphic, huh? I mean, like, there we go. I mean, God was like, Moby! Moby comes, swallows Jonah. Three days, Jonah prays. God, this is, God, I'm going to change. God, give me another opportunity. And God spits, has the fish spit him out on the beach. So what happens next? Well, Jonah decides to go do what God asked him to do originally. He goes to Nineveh, fish smell and all. He shows up and he preaches to the people of Nineveh and he warns them of their evil ways and he tells them that they're going to be held accountable to God. And he preaches to them just as God originally had asked him to do. And you know what they did? The people of Nineveh, as wicked as they were, they listened Not only did they listen, they changed. They let it sink in. Hmm, watch this. And when God saw what they had done, 
the people of Nineveh, and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, God changed his mind. I'm just going to let that sit there for a second because I don't have time to get into all of that, but that's a theological system buster right there for a lot of people, right? I thought, I thought God never changes. I thought, well, God never changes, but God just happens to be the kind of God just might change his mind on something. God changed his mind. It's a good thing, too. He did not carry out the destruction that he had threatened. And then at this point, you might be thinking, wow, that's, that's, a, pretty, that's a pretty neat ending to the story. I mean, that, that's a great place to just go cut. This is great, fantastic. I mean, end of the story, all, Jonah is, is, is alive and the people of Nineveh heard the message and they asked for forgiveness and God forgave them and everybody saved. This great party on, fireworks, all the stuff. Yay! Let's just end it right there. But the story doesn't end there because it was at this point when Jonah absolutely lost his mind. Yeah, Jonah, Jonah just absolutely comes unglued at this point. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. You ever complain to the Lord about anything? You ever complain to God? It's an okay thing to do. In fact, I would encourage you, if you're going to complain, if you're going to complain at all, complain up. Complain up. Right? In fact, time out real quick. That's a great business principle. Right? If you're going to complain at work, complain up. Complain up. Don't complain sideways. Don't, certainly don't complain down. Complain up. Complain up. If you're going through something in life and you're like, I don't get it. I don't like it. I don't understand it. Okay, if you're going to complain, complain up. You talk to the only person ultimately that can do anything about any of it. And so Jonah was complaining up. This is what he said. Didn't I say... God, didn't I say you? Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? I know you. He goes on. He said, "That is why I ran away to Tarshish." Ah, that's why he did it, because he had a hunch that God was going to forgive those people. I knew that you're a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry, filled with unfailing love. Like I knew this, God. I just knew this is the kind of God you are. God, you are eager to turn back from destroying people. Time out right there. But that's a different view of God than a lot of us have. That's a different view of God than culture allows us a lot of times to assume. That God is actually the kind of God that is eager to not destroy people. I grew up thinking that God always had his finger on the red button. Just waiting to blow me to smithereens. No, God, Jonah said, I know you, God. I know you. You're eager to pull back from destroying people. So just kill me now, Lord. It's such a middle school thing to say, right? There's so much drama here. Just get me alive. I'd rather be dead than alive. Obviously, you were willing to be thrown overboard if what I predicted will not happen. God, if you're not going to destroy these people who deserve to be destroyed, you're going to make me look like an idiot. God, I don't think you understand. This makes you look bad too. And just kill me now. I'm done. I'm done. Watch this. This is fascinating. This is kind of funny. The Lord replied, Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about this? 
Like, dude, you got a serious attitude problem. Like, whoa, 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 what's going on here? Now, there's so much in this story, and that's basically how the story ends. The story ends, and Jonah is ticked. Jonah is upset, and, and you know, that's it. The credits roll. This is kind of the way this whole thing goes, and so many takeaways. I, I want to suggest two things to think about. Two things to think about. Actually, the first thing is something that you and I need to do, and the second thing is going to be something that you and I need to know. So let's start with the thing that, to me, I think is so obvious from the story that, that we need to do. You and I need to learn to do what Jonah did not learn to do up front, and that is to join God's heart for all people. God's heart of love and mercy and grace. You see, Jonah had already made up his mind that the people of Nineveh did not deserve forgiveness, God's goodness, God's compassion. He had already made up his mind about those people in Nineveh and what should happen to them. And what Jonah needed to do was join God's heart for the people of Nineveh. To join God's heart for all people. And the reason I say all people is because you're willing to join God's heart for the people that you have a heart for, right? For the people that you already have kind of accepted or you already care about or the people that you already connect with, you have no, no problem whatsoever seeing God's love and compassion and mercy and grace for those people because you have it for them too. But what about the people that you don't give a rip and you think that they got it coming? Yeah, join God's heart for them too. You see, you and I assume that God sees people like we do, or at least we want God to see people the way we do. We assume that God sees people the way we do, and that we would look at them with disgust, that God looks at them with disgust. When we look at them and we go, what are they thinking? That God's looking at them going, what are they thinking? And that we would look at them and like, they're wrong, that God says they're wrong. Mm, be so careful. Because we must be careful not to see people or assume that God sees people the way we do, we must be careful to learn to see people the way he sees them. So let me tell you how God sees the Ninevites in your life. The people, all people, how God sees all people, he desires the very same thing for all people. God sees all people as image bearers of himself. If you think of the most evil, obnoxious person, the most wrong person that you can conceive of. That person, the way God sees them, as someone who is created in his image. And God loves them unconditionally. Yeah, the most wicked person you can imagine. The person that deserves it the least. God sees them as an image bearer and he loves them unconditionally. And we have to learn to see people the way God sees people. And he wants all people to come to him. All people. He welcomes everyone to simply respond to his love for them and come to him. So he can offer mercy and grace and help them because he's eager to help them. Not eager to destroy them. You're beginning to pick up on a little... Yeah, yeah, I think sometimes I go Jonah on people. Yeah, I, I, 
if I'm honest. And I think if you're honest, you're like, we go Jonah on certain groups of people, people that we dislike and people that dislike us, people that we don't agree with, people that who don't agree with us, or maybe just, just people who are just outright evil, because there are some evil people in this world, people who are hell-bent on being wicked and hurting others. Yeah, those people. Let me ask you, who in your life do you find yourself getting upset with when God shows them mercy, when God shows them grace, when God is good to them? Do you have a hard time imagining that that group of people or that person in your life, when you watch the news or, or when you are you know, scrolling the internet or social media and you see this and you, and you notice those people, do you have a hard time with certain groups of people going, I don't want God to be merciful to them. You may not say that. I, may, I don't want God to show them grace. I want God to judge them. You may not say that, but you think that because you get really upset and really frustrated when something good happens to them. Who in your life, who in your life, are there people in your life when something good happens to them and God blesses them, do you get frustrated? Maybe there's more Jonah in you than you thought. I can't believe she doesn't deserve that. He doesn't deserve that. They don't deserve that. Oh, they think they got the wool pulled over everybody's eyes. I see the real them. I cannot believe. Yeah, well, how did he get the job? How did she get that? How did they get that? That should be mine. That should what be happening to good people like me. But her, him, them, we get really frustrated, really upset when things go well for them. Hmm. Why don't we just join God's heart? For all people, grace, mercy, eager for them to come to him compassionate. Why don't, why don't we just learn to cheer people on? Not in their evil, wicked ways. I'm not saying we turn a blind eye and we say it's no big deal. No, no. What if we root for people to do the right thing? What if we help people? What if we come alongside of people and help each other and leave the judging to God? Because that's his territory anyway. Our job, our job is to simply follow the example of Jesus and to love first. Ah, oh, there's an idea. And to show mercy and grace, to serve them, to encourage them, to help them. Join God's heart for all people. Even that person that secretly you get upset with and maybe especially that person that you get upset with when something good happens to him, happens to her, happens to them. Confess that secretly you're hoping God lowers the boom and that they made their bed, they're going to lie in it and they get what's coming to them. Oh, 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 wait, wait, wait. Consider how much grace you've been shown. Even though you may never have been guilty of what they're guilty of, you've done enough to be a recipient of the undeserved favor and grace of God. Learn to join his heart for all people. And then there's something to know. And, and to set it up, I want to ask you to consider something. And this is, this is something I've been wrestling with for a while, and it's just helped me so much with this story. You ever considered what would have happened to Jonah if the fish had not swallowed him? 
Okay, they threw Jonah overboard. Jonah said, throw me overboard. If there had not been a fish there to swallow Jonah, Jonah would have drowned, right? Jonah would have died. He was fully prepared to. But God arranged a great fish to swallow Jonah. You know what that tells me? Is that God wasn't out to punish Jonah, even though Jonah had done the exact opposite. This will change the way you see God. This is so huge. Jonah did the exact opposite of what God asked him to do, and God's posture to Jonah was not to punish Jonah and to judge Jonah. Because if God had wanted to punish and judge Jonah, he would have let him drown. Right? But he didn't. God just wanted to get Jonah's attention. And to get his attention, he needed to save him. This blows, this, this is mind-blowing stuff. You're talking about a legendary story. That, that the fish was actually God saving Jonah. Imagine getting swallowed by a fish and it being a good thing. Best possible thing that could happen to you right now is that you get swallowed by a fish and you're on a three-day journey back to shore. Right? Imagine being swallowed by a fish and it being a good thing, it being a blessing, it being a grace, it being a way for God to help get you back on track. There's something there for us. Something to know. That God helps us even when it doesn't seem like help. That's what God was doing for Jonah. You can imagine, Jonah's like, throw me overboard. They throw me overboard. And Jonah's like, finally, I, finally. And then what, what? He's swallowed by a fish. And he, when he finally figures out what's happening, he's like, oh, great. Now this. Right? Can a guy just drown if a guy wants to drown? You know, can a guy just get away from God? You know, now I'm swallowed by a fish. It just gets worse. Now, see, God was helping Jonah. Even though it didn't seem like help, feel like help, look like help to Jonah. I wonder the things in our lives and your lives that just seem and feel like a challenge. Things you're going through right now, they just seem and feel like a problem, a pain. They're a detour. In your mind, you see them as a detour. Or maybe you just see it as all wrong. Do you know that God helps us even when it doesn't feel like and seem like he's helping us? That the great fish in our lives. That on the outside, you go, oh, it just went from bad to worse. No, 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 it could be. That God is saving you from something you can't see. Maybe God is saving you something from, that you don't know. Maybe God is actually saving you from yourself because you've been misguided and God is being gracious and loving to you and he's trying to redirect you and help you get back on track. Kind of like, when a toddler is learning to walk, and actually that's when they become a toddler, right? right that's, that's the word, toddle. So, so when, a, when a baby goes from crawling to walking, you, you know that. I mean, even if you're not a parent or a grandparent, right? You probably can't remember those days when it was happening to you, but you've been around, maybe a cousin or a brother or sister. I mean, you, you, we get this visual. I mean, it's just, it, it's precious, yay, and we all cheer, but it's extremely awkward and nerve-wracking if you're the guardian, if you're the responsible party, right? Because they just get up and they just start going in a direction. And the whole idea is to, to get up ahead of steam. 
You have no idea where you're going or where you're going to end up or what's on the other side of that door or over that ledge that you can't see. And so a con- if you're a parent or a grandparent or someone in charge of, of, a, of a human being that's learning to walk, you're constantly like, whoa, 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 quick, 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 get him. Okay, nope, not that way. Go this way. Nope, not, nope, can't walk over there. Come over here. Because all they're doing is just going. And you're constantly redirecting, constantly redirecting, constantly directing and redirecting, directing and redirecting. Come this way, don't go that way. Could it be that that's what God is doing in your life? And he's helping you in that way. If it doesn't feel like help, it doesn't seem like help. Because the truth is, is that God is committed to our success. The success, not the way I term success or you term success or culture term success, but the success of us discovering and living out his purposes for our life because at the end of life, that's success. God is committed to our success in discovering and living out his purposes, embracing his will, following his direction, even if it means he's got to redirect us along the way. Cue big fish, swallow Jonah. Cue great challenge, problem, issue, pain, whatever in your life to come along into your life to help. Yeah. Even when it doesn't feel like help. You know, a lot of times when it seems like things are going off the rails, it might be God's way of just helping us get back on track. Let me put it to you in a question. What difficulty are you facing right now that might actually be God's loving and gracious direction or redirection in your life? I mean, you got a whale of a problem. And you're like, great, another thing. How is God's loving and gracious direction and redirection at work in your life? I mean, at least, even though you don't have all the answers, even you don't know why this is happening to you, even though you just want out and you just want it to go away, you just want to be able to get back to doing what you want to do. Okay, at least consider that in some way, God is trying to help you. Whether or not you see it as help, it feels like help, or it looks like help. Maybe he's trying to help you get out of your own way, to choose his best, to live out his purpose, his will, his plan. My friends, this is where, and here we're back to this word again. It seems like we're constantly coming back to this word. This is where trust comes in. Yet again. Trusting that even though it doesn't feel like God is helping me right now, that God is somehow helping me right now. Trusting that the great fish of pain and problems and inconvenience and detour and, and all this is, oh, I can't believe everything's so screwed up and it's just another thing and another thing and another thing. Maybe, maybe you need to see it a different way. That your loving heavenly father it's like, no, 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 this way, this way, this way, this way. No, no, come back, come back this way. Oh, I know, oh, this way, this way, this way, this way. Because he wants you to discover and live out his purposes. At times, even when they're the opposite of ours, as is with Jonah. May we join God's heart for all people. Especially that person that you secretly wish God would let them have it. 
Yeah, God wants to let them have it, but he wants to let them have his love. Now, is there judgment? Yes, but that's God's territory. Your job, my job. Jesus made it clear. It's just love each other the way I've loved you. You got your hands full with that. Promise you, I promise you, that's all you and I can handle. Let's just do that and cheer people on towards the heart of God for them as they experience God's heart for them through our heart for them. And then, may we simply understand that God is helping us, even when, even when, it doesn't feel like help because God loves us that much. And is that involved in our lives and in your life? I'm telling you, if we can do this and know this, not only will it change the way we hear and see the story, this legendary story, more importantly, it'll help us where we are living right now discover and live out the purposes of God for our lives. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you. Thank you for this legendary story, for having it recorded for us. Because at the surface, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty easy for us to kind of detach from this and go, I don't know anything about that. But in reality, man, it, it just peels back the layers of what's going on in our own hearts and lives. Lord, help me, help us to simply join your heart for all people. The people that we don't like and the people who don't like us. The people we agree with and the people we don't agree with. The people that disagree with us. The people that we vote like them, they vote like us. And the people who vote the opposite of what, the way we vote. The people who believe differently. Even the most wicked, evil people that we can conceive. May we join your heart for them. We are all image bearers. All loved unconditionally. And you welcome all of us to come to you. Not everybody will. Not everybody does. But Lord, you want us to join you cheering for them, being eager for them, being compassionate. May we just love people and leave the judging and the accountability to you. Ultimately, that's your job. And Lord, help us as we face the difficulties of life that we often think are detours and pains and problems and issues and signs of just bad things and just another thing and help us to realize that you're helping us even in those times where it doesn't seem like help, feel like help, look like help. You are helping us discover and live out your purposes. So help me trust you. Help us trust you. So at the end of the day, we can live and discover what you created us to live for. Thank you for Jonah's story because it helps our story. In Jesus' name, we thank you. Amen.